Did you know that it's possible to raise your littles to want to listen to you without the use of consequences, rewards, and bribes? Hi, I'm Kaylee Zeyer, and this is the Chaos to Connected podcast, where we discuss simple yet effective parenting strategies to manage those pesky behaviors we go to bed at night hoping will be gone tomorrow. We're going to stand up to societal norms of disconnection, shaming, and punishments so we can take a deeper look into our child's heart. It's there you'll find connection, and there where you'll find more peace, obedience, respect, and joy. So what are you waiting for? We know those behaviors aren't going to go away on their own. Let's dive in. Welcome back. If it is your first time listening today or you missed last week's episode, I would really encourage you to go back and listen to it. This is the second part of a two-part series, and the first part was talking about why I don't believe a calming space is number one priority and what I think actually is. And today, we're going to talk about some things to think about if you've done what I mentioned in the last episode and you are ready to kind of continue the process of helping your child to learn regulation. So just a quick recap. I really believe that we need to allow emotions first. I don't think that calming spaces are necessary to teach your child to regulate. They're mostly learning from you through a process called co-regulation. So, I mean, obviously, unless there's other issues going on or other sensory processing things happening, they're going to learn their most from you, which can be really hard to want to grasp onto because that means that we need to stay regulated and under self-control. And if you're having a really hard time with that, I would go back and listen to the episode where I talk about your own triggers and how to manage them. And I just decided to throw that in there. (laughs) I wasn't planning on it. So I will throw that episode in the show notes if you want to go back and listen, if you haven't, or if you want a little refresher. But before we do any encouragement to calm down, I think it's really, really important that we're allowing and accepting the emotions to come out because that's a huge issue, right? If Have you grown up thinking you were needed to be perfect or having some perfectionist tendencies? Is it hard for you to express emotion? Well, that's because we have been conditioned to think that emotions are bad or crying is bad or strong feelings are bad and they aren't bad. God gave us all of the feelings. The problem is what we do with them sometimes. (laughs) Um, So emotions first, allow them to come out. The second thing is to connect. That is most important. I have seen time and time again in my own life, but also, you know, in other families that I coach on these strategies, that connection is the missing piece. It's not a calming space. It's connection. Our kids need connection like they need air. And when we can come with connection, it is amazing the difference, even in impulse control. Like if your child, for example, is tends to be aggressive and you often throw out consequences when they hit or you don't know much about how to connect yet, this is a whole new 
new arena for you, then oftentimes that behavior continues and it can even get worse. It can spread to other environments. But it, if you can come with connection, you'll be amazed at the significant decrease in the aggressive behaviors just by doing simple connection throughout the day. And I have noticed a huge impact on a child's ability to control their impulse of hitting versus, you know, instead of hitting, being able to stop and say, like, I need help or please stop doing that or whatever the case may be. They're much more able to do it. It's not that they don't know how or they can't do it. It's that they can't control the impulse when they're disconnected. And then today we're going to talk about how to teach or model calming strategies because while I definitely don't believe that you need to have a calming space, I think there's nothing wrong with educating your child and providing calming strategies because obviously that's a lifelong learning avenue, you know, like we can all, we all have things that help us to calm down and it might just seem innate to you, um, but sometimes that can be really challenging for kids to understand. Like the other day, my son said, well, I don't know how to calm down. And in the moment of being really overwhelmed, have you ever felt really stressed out and you just are spinning and you just don't either think to calm down or think about what could actually help you in that moment? Um, so I'm not against calming strategies. I just think there's a time and a place and connection needs to be first. So a couple things to think about in order to make it successful in, you know, teaching your children calming strategies. And again, just as a reminder, the biggest way our kids learn regulation is through us. So the more you can model being calm, staying calm, understanding, even if you're angry, um, bringing awareness to being angry, but maybe choosing to do something different. So first of all, I want you to think about what your child tends to seek the most, especially when they're tired or upset, because we are all sensory beings. So it's not just kids who have sensory processing challenges. Every single one of us is a sensory being. And our body innately utilizes sensory strategies to regulate our bodies because all of our sensory systems are at the basis of our central nervous system, our brain. So if they are not organized, it makes a lot of other things challenging. So when we become on either end of the spectrum, really tired or bored, or we're really frustrated or angry, upset, or really excited, our body naturally seeks out input to calm us, to get us back to that middle, like just right level. And so think about what your child might be doing in those kind of extremes. Do they, you know, chew on their fingernails or chew on non-food objects? Do they prefer to like jump and crash into things or run into things? And that will tell you what their body likes and prefers. So then the next part is to, you know, determine that. And then you're going to find some different options that provide your child with that input. 
and then in, try to include that into your regular routine. But that's also great options to pull out when your child is having a tough time. You know, they've expressed their emotions, you've kind of sat through it with them, and then they're maybe still just needing a little bit to help them fully get back to regulated. That's when you would utilize some of these strategies. So, for example, if your child tends to put non-food objects in their mouth or bite their nails, that is an oral sensory seeking experience. So you'll want to think about other oral sensory activities that you can provide for your child. And I like these because they're much easier to bring along with you. And also they're more socially acceptable. You can have them in lots of different environments and your child isn't going to stand out like they might in, with other strategies. So for example, gum, chewing on some gum, sucking on a mint. That's We do that one a lot. Um, just incorporating more crunchy or chewy foods or really sour things. Like if your child if your child tends to be an oral seeker or a prefer, <laughs> um, then you might notice they like more spicy food or sour flavors than maybe your other children or you. So just thinking about that and then thinking about how you can incorporate that into your regular routine because sensory regulation and behavior, I like to think about those things like a cup. The more you can make deposits into that cup throughout the day, the more the cup is going to stay full. As you, you know, refrain from adding to that cup, so that means like the more you add, you know, crunchy or chewy to your meals and then your child maybe chews on some gum while they're playing or drinks through a straw, you're adding little deposits into that sensory cup to keep it full because when you're not adding and they're doing different things, their cup might be draining a little bit. The more drained that cup is, the more difficulty getting back to regulated is going to be. Same with behavior. The more you're adding in, you know, drops of connection throughout the day, the more your child is going to be regulated and connected versus if you are not depositing regularly, you might just see a ton of behaviors or just feel really disconnected or disobedience or whatever it might be, just more behaviors in general. And then it might take a little bit more connection with you to get that cup back to where it needs to be. So think about what they seek most. Try to incorporate it into your regular routine, but especially just keep those things handy. And you can refer to them or just use them, you know, if as they're coming out of a listening session with you and kind of working on getting back to baseline. So I also got a question about, well, what if I don't have a calming space or have room for a calming space? And so I wanted to just give you a few things to consider instead of using a calming space or if you don't have one, because I don't think you need to. So the first one is a container of strategies. So I like this because it's movable. You can move it to any room. And the reason I, and like you could take it with you if you're going on a trip, you can easily just put it in the car. You could 
put one in your backpack or your um, diaper bag or something. But I also like the flexibility that this brings. So if we're really training our kid to go to this space to calm down, what happens when they need to calm down and they don't have that space? So I like the container idea and just allowing your child to utilize the strategies or to calm down in any space because this is helping with flexibility, which can be really challenging when you're dysregulated. So if you can start from the beginning providing some of the opportunity for flexibility, I think that's a really good option. Number two, use a visual. So I'm sure you can, you know, find pictures online or maybe if you know somebody that has like some software or something and just or if your child knows how to read, it won't have to be pictures, but this is a really good option if you have even littler ones. You can just create a page of the different things that you have available, and then you can present it to them. So I like this for a number of reasons. One, you can have it for a lot of, you know, a wide age range. And two, a lot of times when kids are upset or still not calmed down, especially if you feel like you get triggered easily, kids have trouble processing auditory information or our instruction, hearing it, taking it in when they're really dysregulated. Visual can be really helpful in those instances, and then they don't even have to say anything. They can just point, and we don't really have to say anything except for like present the paper, and they kind of know what we're talking about. And lastly, again, modeling. Modeling is key. If you are demonstrating calming strategies, your kid's going to pick up on that. You can even bring attention to it. You know, like if you're starting to feel like you're losing patience, I often might just say like, I'm feeling a little upset right now. I just need to take some deep breaths. Or I might include like it's not about you. I'm just starting to feel like my body is not staying calm. I'm going to take a few deep breaths. And just watching them or watching you do that is much more effective than telling them what to do. I also really like deep breathing because obviously you can take that anywhere. (laughs) Plus it's really effective. So model the behavior, the calming strategies that you find to be the most helpful and that are simple that you can do in the moment and that will also help you with your your frustration level so i hope that was helpful i am not against calming strategies i think they're very helpful and i think they can be a great option when we are teaching our kids but i do think that it's not necessary to have a calming space and i also think that we really, really, really need to focus on connection first. Because I know a lot of times we can spend we can spend a large amount of time like creating the perfect space and putting all this stuff in there and creating the most beautiful visuals and getting all the stuff. But if we would just take all that energy and focus it on connecting with our kids, we probably honestly wouldn't need any of that. I generally utilize the calming strategies most when 
we just need a little extra something like it's a really tough day or we're not quite to the like expressing the feelings but there's some whining going on or we're out somewhere and it's difficult to have you know a tantrum in the middle of everyone so I do use them but I don't focus on them because I think we really, really need to place focus on our child's emotions and validating them and making sure that they understand that emotions are normal, they are God-given, and they are okay, and we all have them, and then connecting with them and supporting them through those big emotions because if we feel overwhelmed by their behavior, think about how they must feel inside. Overwhelmed, And then maybe they aren't communicating very well. Maybe they're being aggressive. And then we come with consequences. And then they feel misunderstood. And they don't exactly know how to explain how they're feeling. And then it's just like this big chaotic cycle. So the more you can focus on connection and worry about calming strategies later, I think it will benefit you more. You can still have these tools in your back pocket in case you need them. But I would just really, really, really encourage you to focus on connection. So I'm going to put a few episodes in the show notes on connection, simple ways to connect because it doesn't always have to be these lengthy play sessions or special time. It can be just really simple things, again, throughout your day, just little drops in their bucket that help them to still feel connected to you, even if they're not getting all of your attention. So be sure to check out the show notes. And if you don't know much about special time, that is the number one way that I think we can establish and maintain a connection with our child that they can easily ask for that transforms their lives and ours. So if you don't know much about it, I'm going to put a link in the show notes for a free ebook that I have that goes through everything that you need to start implementing it and answers all the most asked questions And I would really love for you to start doing that today. Real quick, before you go, if you felt encouraged and inspired by listening to this show, I'd love for you to leave a rating or review over at Apple Podcasts so we can spread the word to help other mamas feel less alone and find beauty in the behaviors. You can also take a screenshot of this episode, share it over on your Instagram stories, and take me, at Kaylee Josire, and we'll all do a little happy dance together. I'd love nothing more than to cheer you on along this journey. This work is so hard, but don't forget, God has not only called you to it, but he has equipped you for it. Now go get connected. I'll see you next week.